Well, hello. Welcome back to Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. In podcast update news, Between the Lines, the podcast, and my book, Between the Lines, a memoir about addiction, empathy, and evolution, have now been added to the collection of sobriety resources at SoberLibrary.com. You should all check it out. It's a new website featuring an extensive list of literature, podcasts, and other resources um, for people looking for information on addiction and or alcoholism with uh, convenient links right there for easy clicking. So I think it's great and frankly, long overdue. Uh, It's a great idea and I hope it gets all the attention it deserves. So definitely check it out after you finish listening to this episode and uh, I will go ahead and put a link uh, to the website in the episode notes if you um, forget. Also, last week, we added listeners in one more country and one more state. The BTL Nation now includes Italy and Connecticut, two places I really love and have a, kind of a connection with. It's, um, it was nice to see Italy and Connecticut there on the list. Uh, so that now makes 13 countries. 32 states, and our nation's capital, where we have people listening to this here podcast. And I'm very grateful for all the continued support and for the growing audience. So, grazie to all of you. I don't know if they speak Italian in Connecticut, but they'll figure it out. Anyway, if you too have been listening and learning, please remember to rate, review, and follow Between the Lines of the Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And those of you listening on Apple Podcasts can also leave a review with your rating. That is even more helpful. And if you'd like to go a little further to help support my mission to spread kindness, positivity, and hope, and to destigmatize addiction and alcoholism, please click the support the podcast link at the end of the episode notes and give what you can. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or my book, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please drop me an email at betweenthelinesmemoir at gmail.com. But more important than anything else, thank you all for listening today. I'm very excited about my guest. But before we get to that, this is the good news. Good news. I have two good news stories this week. Um, The first one comes from California, where Governor Newsom has done it again. He signed into law a bill that will protect transgender youth and families fleeing oppressive red state policies. The new law blocks out-of-state attempts to penalize families that come to California seeking medical treatment for transgender children and teens. Governor Newsom said... The state law is attempting to ban medical care for transgender people younger than 18, demonize the community, and that he considers them acts of hate. I, for one, happen to agree wholeheartedly with Governor Newsom on this one. The second good news story this week comes from AP News, who reported on a new Alzheimer's drug that is showing promise in the early results of a global study being done by a Japanese drug company. The results 
are showing that the new drug significantly reduces patient decline after 18 months of the infused treatment. The Alzheimer's Association called the findings, and I quote, the most encouraging to date. This, that should provide a sliver of hope for people out there suffering with Alzheimer's and for the people who love them. And that was the good news. Now let's get to the interview already. So my guest today is Sam. Sam was a student in one of my freshman honors English classes as I was that I was teaching about 10 years ago, I think. And I remember her being really quiet, but still interested and engaged back then, at least at the beginning of the school year. I also recall the way she gradually emerged from her shell as her freshman year wore on. The class Sam was in, like most of my classes, was as discussion-based as my department chair would allow. But there were two or three rather precocious, eager, and let's just call them vocal students in Sam's class which was almost always the case in my freshman honors classes. But sometime near the end of that first semester, a handful of equally precocious, but slightly less eager and vocal students became a bit tired of hearing the same voices day after day. This probably happened, at least in part, because those same voices seemed to be competing with each other day after day to say exactly what they assumed I wanted them to say. This phenomenon gave me fits for my entire career, which is why I always appreciated students like Sam, who would eventually decide to step out of their comfort zones to challenge the safe and usually obvious opinions of these pesky class discussion dominators. I remember Sam questioning almost everything, and she seemed to have her eye on social justice, equity, and empathy exactly where I hoped all of my students would arrive by the end of the school year. I don't think Sam ever became the kind of student who would chime in daily or on all of the issues. She seemed to wait for the juiciest ones. <laughs> she was never afraid to disagree. And when Sam talked, we all listened. She was the type of student I used to refer to as quiet thunder. And I enjoyed watching her teach and learn and grow. And that is part of the reason why I was so shocked and saddened a couple of years later when I heard that Sam dropped out of high school. And then a few years after she left high school, I ran into her as I was leaving my intensive outpatient treatment program. I was walking with Jake, another patient in my treatment group, whose tragic story I would eventually include in my book. Turns out, Sam and Jake were friends, thick as thieves. And Sam was cursed with the same insidious disease that Jake and I were being treated for. Sam was a heroin addict, and she was there to meet her friend at the end of his long day. But Sam's story is not tragic. It's full of resilience and hope, and most of her story is still unwritten. I can't wait to see how the rest of it unfolds. Also, Sam once hitchhiked across the country, and she just became an aunt. Anyway, enough of my jibber-jabber. Let me introduce you to Quiet Thunder herself. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling all right. That was a trip. You remember more than I did. Like, 
<laughs> um yeah i'm feeling okay i'm ready right. to get into it yeah we're gonna get right into it don't you worry uh so did some of that sound familiar um honestly like well one i don't remember i remember running into you on my own i don't remember running into you with jake present but i remember like jake coming to me and being like yeah you know that guy that everyone's talking about right now for all these reasons (laughs) he's in my outpatient and i was like what the fuck and there's weird well maybe yeah i might i might be because i remember talking to him about you too yeah maybe i just remember we were sitting we were outside of our after treatment talking about you and i imagined that i was that you were there and then i do remember running into you at the grocery store yeah that yeah that i definitely remember mm-hmm. yeah well, fact check we got a fact checker on that. <laughs> uh all right well before we get into anything else uh i want to talk about the the elephant in the virtual room here um so over the past month or so, you and I, we've exchanged a few messages and then had a couple of follow-up conversations on the phone. Uh, you also started reading the book and spent some time listening to the podcast. And as a matter of full disclosure, uh, when I first invited you to be a guest on the show, you were a little hesitant to agree. Um, you were skeptical and you had questions for me and we talked about it. And Although in the end you are here, and I'm very grateful that you are here. I, I, I wasn't so sure until I saw you on the screen. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision for you. So uh, can you take a minute to talk about what was fueling that kind of initial hesitancy and how you came to your eventual decision to come on the podcast today? Um. Yeah, so I guess, man... Well, first and foremost, I'm just like forever obsessed with how complicated people are. And that's sort of been my thing from day one, largely because of my own experience and like doing a lot of very questionable things and still being capable of doing good things today. And then carrying that in my work because I work with people who have done horrible, horrible things. Like I work with, I've worked with child predators. I've worked Mm. with people who are like in white supremacist gangs. I've worked with like all kinds of gnarly people and still managed to find like love for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just like my life's like forever obsession for lack of a better word. Um, And so with you, I think, you know, I started out by listening to, um Henry's interview with you mm-hmm. um that's Jake's brother yes right, right. and uh and um I remember you asking him like what what he thought of you as a teacher um and I and he's disgustingly polite for forever and he, yes. he and he said like all these beautiful you know really kind things about you and how he perceived you as a teacher and it dawned on me that I agreed uh and I felt all the same things I I forever felt like you were my favorite teacher especially like being first period of my freshman year (laughs) high school that's like the start of everything um and I think that when all these things happened and you you know did a did a bad thing Mm -hmm. um you know, that, that ripple effect went pretty far. Uh, and so, yeah, there's parts of me, I mean, the first time that we talked, I was like, I kind of hate you a little Mm -hmm. bit. And like, (laughs) but I think these are important things to say out loud because at the end of the day, like 
there's a decision to make, you know, like, am I going to talk to him or not? And like, here I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think my hesitation lies in the fact that like things have developed for you and your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, y'all both went through your own stuff. Y'all are together now. And I think that, uh, you know, while I completely respect, um, like I listened to her interview and mm -hmm. I've read like her chapter and I totally respect like her sort of taking agency and being like, this is my life. Like I know myself better than anybody else. And I don't like when other people are saying, oh, I'm just, you know, being manipulated right. or whatever. Um, for sure. But also I think I'd say the same thing at that age. And I think that there are dynamics that are just sort of inherent about the situation that are built in a little bit, um, including like power, age, gender, yep. uh, and all these things. And so it's like, it's kind of like, you don't have to be like doing something racist to benefit from white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, I, I know it's, exactly what you're saying. It, it's yes. just built in. And so like, I, I question that and I think it makes me squirm a little bit, but like, what are you going to, I don't know, you know, I'm still talking to you. And, and so it's, <laughs> You know, and like for people who are close to you, it's like clearly they love you and like have made a decision that like that's my dude and like I'm in his life, whether mm -hmm. it's a family member or a friend. And I think that, um, yeah, I just think it's important to talk about. Uh, and there, there's just a decision to go from there. And it's like, wh why would you not bring it to the surface if all these things are swimming around? Um Cause it doesn't, it won't, it wouldn't feel authentic to me if I didn't like say that, you know what I mean? Like yes. I'm still skeptical of you and your yes. relationship and things that you've done. Mm -hmm. And I still talk to you because we're people and we do things, you know what I mean? Like, I, yes. yeah, I don't know. Well, I think, um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you saying all that and hearing it from you. And I can promise you, you're not the only one who's, uh, and my relationship with my partner makes them squirm. Um, and not everyone in uh, my life and my family or friends has uh, has agreed to stick around and, hey, you know, that's my dude, I love him. Uh, you know, I lost people because of this. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I think uh, is clear as I was listening to you talk is that, that kind of like the way you ex expressed all that is like, that's like one addict to another kind of like, that's the way, like often if we've been through enough meetings and, and mm -hmm. treatment and thought about it, that like the way you're, you're thinking about people uh, being complicated and, and uh, you know, all the nuance, the way you, you spoke about it. Um, like that's one of the things I feel like a great benefit from my recovery and from my, you know, treatment um, and working through the steps is that I, ha it's given me a, a different perspective on everybody. Mm -hmm. you know and it, it makes it almost impossible to judge anyone mm -hmm. <laughs> when you go in the room and say whatever you say nobody and everyone hugs you and you right. realize oh shit and you're doing the same thing for them uh it makes uh the rest of the world uh which isn't a meeting full of addicts and alcoholics uh you, you take those same lessons with um so it just kind of reminded me of that and uh i mean i appreciate what you're saying and i certainly understand and i know i don't expect anybody to just be comfortable. And it bothers me that, you know, when people are pretending that they do, when I know that they aren't, you know, that they're not okay, that it's weird, it's complicated. I, uh, and, and I know why people 
pretend like it doesn't bother him, even if it does, because it's a hard thing to talk about. Uh, and to say to somebody to have those kind of complicated feelings. So I really appreciate that, Sam. And uh, thanks for saying that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Thank you for letting me. Yeah. For the record, to everyone, I was like, I'm not going to do this unless I can say whatever I want. So, like, that's why that is, I think is what pulled me to be like, okay, like we can we can do this as long as I can like speak on that and be like, this is kind of weird for this reason. You know what I mean? Uh, right. So I I appreciate that because it's yeah yeah it no it, and I, and I want I wanted you to and I want to because I I also want people to see the benefit of this. You know. Uh, right. that we learn again through the programs kind of is, is the benefit of just getting those things out instead of holding on to the resentments and weird feelings pretending like they're not there and they're going to come out some other way all sideways you know right but i appreciate it and i'm really glad you're here because i think that uh your story especially is going to help some people as they listen to it um i've had all kinds of uh drunks and junkies on the on the show so far but no no heroin users and uh, you know obviously with the uh opioid crisis and uh, and everything that everyone knows about it in the news people who are listening who who don't have a loved one who's an addict who aren't addicts and alcoholics they still have heard all about that and right. um, as much as our stories are similar and follow the same patterns i think through my experience talking to people uh, over the last seven years um the journey of an, of an opiate addict is uh, different in mm -hmm. some important ways. So I want to get to that. But before I, we do that, I want to talk about Jake a little bit. Uh, I was lucky enough, like I said in the introduction, to cross paths with him in rehab and spent about six weeks with him. Um, but as you know, six weeks in treatments, more like six months in the real world. You get to know people pretty well, pretty fast, um, spending that much time sitting in a circle, uh, sharing your deepest insecurities, fears, shortcomings, and all that, um, you know, with a little break in the middle to have lunch and laugh and smoke cigarettes and laugh some more. Um, anyway, the Jake I got to know during that process uh, it was serious about his recovery, um, so genuine and real and hilarious. I mean, he had us cracking up. Uh, uh, often um, and he was so thoughtful in the way he responded to everybody else and gentle and kind um, everyone in treatment with us felt the same way about him and so did his counselor who I saw last night by the way uh, oh wow yeah at a um, an event at, at Hazelden um, anyway all of us were devastated to hear when he died um, not too long after that that last stint in rehab and um Actually, that that counselor who is she's like a uh, she's 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 cold, stone cold. You know, she's tough. She doesn't break ever. She's serious business, which is what I needed. And uh, I never saw her show emotion really ever, except, <laughs> except when we talked about about Jake and the and the tears welling up in her eyes showed that how he affected everybody. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously knew him a lot better than than I did. Um, what was your relationship like with him, and and how will you remember him? Mm -hmm. um yeah he was my best friend I I met him early on when I was probably like 17 or something and and it was just sort of like in passing with our circles sort of mixing um so I had met him once and shortly after I met him I went to rehab and I remember when I did meet him everyone was like oh this guy like he just got out of rehab and he he steals our shit or like something like that because he's like a heroin addict and I was mm -hmm. like whoa that's crazy and then like <laughs> <laughs> it 
shortly after that, so was I. Um, yeah. Separate path from him. But the first time I saw him, I was in rehab, and we were in rehab at the same time when I didn't really know him. And I saw him run away. He escaped. <laughs> like, escaped rehab. Yeah, he ran oh, away. <laughs> so I was, like, in line to go to lunch, and then, like, the alarms are ringing, and these two boys, like, bolted out the door, and, like, years later when we actually became friends he was telling me that and I was like dude I witnessed that we were there at the same time and it like all checked out but um the first time I like really really met him was at a meeting uh and I was uh a year into sobriety I think at that point I had just gotten out of treatment I did like 10 months in treatment mm -hmm. um so I was like maybe I was a little less than a year and I was pretty new to like doing sobriety on my, like not in treatment, you right. know, like in real yeah. life. And, you know, there, I was always like the youngest person in the room. It was always like a bunch of old white dudes, like every yeah. meeting I went to in like Oak park. And, uh, <laughs> and so there's this kid sitting there and I know I recognize him and like, but I can't really place it. And he came up to me after and he was like, Hey, are you Jesse? And I was like, yeah who are you and and he was like and I met you through these people I was like oh for sure you look like shit and he was like yeah I just got out of rehab and like I haven't slept in three days because I've been on a meth bender and I was like oh word you want to be friends and he <laughs> <laughs> like yeah and that was it it was done and and we we're like very much so inseparable we did AA together we did drugs together yeah. uh you know, we were just kind of like in the thick of it. Um, and he was a dark dude. Mm -hmm. And he took, it, he took it to the deepest, darkest places at what I look back. I'm like, he was a baby. I mean, mm -hmm. we were children. Um, so, yeah, it was weird reading his chapter in your book and seeing that dip into like now he's shooting up. And I was like there the first time, you know, like we used IV this this first time together, you know, mm -hmm. Um so it was super weird to to read. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever met anyone who had a stronger desire to love and to be loved. Mm -hmm. um, I think that gentle is like the perfect word to describe him. He was like kind of weird. He like talked in this like really kind of peculiar, like delicate, very polite way. Yeah. Um, but then was also like had demons in there. Like so that he was a weird dude um he was like an angel and a devil in one and was like an amazing friend um he saved my life I overdosed in his basement yeah. um so like would not be here for sure if if not for him it's it's really unfortunate that we're not both here mm -hmm. um and we fell off at the very very end like literally a week before he passed um just because you know I would be sober and he was not and vice yeah. versa things get messy um honesty flies out the window even if it's your best friend and that's when I started you know I was like fuck like you're lying to me dude and like we had told each other like our deepest darkest secrets like he was like definitely someone I was more vulnerable with than anybody uh and trusted him with my life mm -hmm. um so like when that trust starts to fade it's hard uh and so we had like a stupid argument. I left town for the first time. I was like, my girlfriend at the time had like gone off to college and I was like, I'm going to go hitchhike across the country because 
what are you going to do? I'm sad. She's gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go follow her. And so it's just like this, this parting of ways. And he died the day I left. Ugh. And I, I carried that forever because I truly think that our, our fallout and me leaving was, was tied up in that. You know, mm-hmm. I think that Jake was going to die no matter what, because that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, But forever. I was like, the first thought I had when I found out was he, he did this at me. Yeah. Uh, because he was he was sad he was heartbroken because we fell off and i left and and i and we didn't we didn't get a goodbye i'm i'm forever forever about like don't go to bed angry man like you just don't know yeah and that was like my first really big loss and i've unfortunately had tons more since when we were sober we were like climbing buildings and like getting arrested for like entering construction sites and like climbing cranes and shit and just like the most adrenaline junkie like yeah yeah something and then like on the darker days it was doing drugs together so we went through the ringer for sure and i loved him very very much uh yeah he was an amazing person it's he was too young man yeah he was too young and i'm sorry that you had a you know that it had to happen with that kind of timing for you uh you know, it sounds like you're in a relatively healthy place about it, but, uh, you know, yet to not, to not have any, like a positive interaction before that happened and to, and to have that feel like blame yourself and all mm-hmm. that, um, and never, and knowing that you never know the real answer. I mean, right. I think it's safe to say, I hope you agree that whatever it was, it's more complicated than one thing, you know, oh, absolutely. Not doing that. you yeah. know, there's a million things, like you said, there's demons in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think in talking about him, it says a lot. I think there's a lot for people to learn in there about how powerful addiction is like that. You guys have this like bond, like they're like no other and it'll lie right in your face. Right. Yep. And we, yep. we do that to the people we love the most. I look my mom right in the eyes and lie yep. uh, over and over and over um, because there's a power deep inside that says makes you forget about all of it or yeah. or or say you know not forget it but but push it aside saying it's not it's not important right now what's important yeah. right now is getting what i need absolutely um, yeah. i love the image of thinking of you guys climbing cranes and stuff so that, that, that's because that's gonna stick with me for sure <laughs> um all right well let's talk about your uh story a little bit more um so I guess start from the beginning, how your relationship with drugs and alcohol began and then how it evolved over time and just kind of walk through it, walk through it, you know, in every, any way you, you'd like, start wherever you want and stop wherever you yeah. want, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I, I consider myself sort of a late bloomer. Uh, I did not do anything until I was a sophomore in high school. So was never high in your class, promise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else, though. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, so I was 15. I was a sophomore. Um, I tried smoking weed for the first time. I like drank for the first time when I was a sophomore. And it was like all pretty typical, like weekend experimenting, like just like safe. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and like still fun. Um, but I think I was like already chasing something like I was just destined to to take the nose I think did you I was, notice it back then did you feel like it was a little different than other people like the yeah way so way? yeah so I remember uh man this is kind of crazy um the first time I got drunk uh shaped everything I think um the first time I got actually like good and drunk uh 
I remember having a moment. Well, one, I like, I did like three shots of Jack Daniels in a row. I never drank alcohol ever. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I took three shots and I didn't feel it like that. So I was like, not good enough. Yeah. (laughs) So I drank like six shots of Jack, like in my hundred pound, 15 year old body. Uh, And then it hit. And I remember like, laughing and like sitting on a on the floor in my friend's basement and like having this moment where I was like yes like this yes uh and then I threw up everywhere uh and it was over (laughs) very fast um and like ended up what I did not process until you know like honestly like a year or two ago having like my first um like sexual experience that was not very consensual Mm. Um, so like first time drinking Uh first time like ever hooking up with anyone no consent that's going to shape everything and I didn't even process this I mean that that was that's trauma you know and I didn't I didn't even process that situation for what it was until like a year ago and had Mm -hmm. this massive like breakthrough being like oh my god like this makes so much sense. Like, yes, yes. My first time thinking had this traumatic thing. All my relationships have always been a mess. And mm-hmm. so like, it was these two things from the get were just sort of like hand in hand. Uh, but I do remember that feeling before everything sucked of being like, I'm warm. I am happy. I am like feeling a thing I've never felt before. Yeah. I didn't know I could feel this good because I've just never felt it. Um, And totally having that like typical like addict, you know like yeah. here we go i found the thing yeah. that i've been looking for forever yeah uh, a lot of people yeah. have that similar experience the first time they drink and that but as soon as that they hit they're like oh my god i i want i want this to end i want it over this is the worst thing ever uh, and th- then you puked and then you had this horrible traumatic experience and you're still in your mind going i can't wait to do that again right yeah, so that, that's, yeah. that sets up I mean that explains everything about addiction. Like there was nothing yeah. good about it. There's a there was five minutes of this euphoric feeling followed by a bunch of horrible stuff, and you couldn't yeah. wait to get back on the train. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I like was looking forward to the next time, like yeah. from the get. Um, so yeah, I progressed like pretty rapidly. I started using heroin when I was seventeen. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of drugs at OPRF. Like yeah. there was a lot of drugs there, and. A lot of that has to do with like being right on the border of Chicago. So you have this like overflow and there's just, it's, it's a different breed over yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when I was like 17, I started using heroin uh, and I did not last long. I mean, my drinking progressed really rapidly. I was blacked out every single day for like a year plus I was drinking like a pint to two pints of like rum or whiskey a day at like 16 years old uh and just like I don't I don't know like everything fell apart you know like yeah. school was a complete joke to me I was like why would I why would I go in there I mean yeah. I I went there it, it the, my last like period of time in high school would be like I wake up I skip like first and second period me and my friend walk to school we smoke a bunch of weed on the way we get there go to the locker rooms sorry everyone we stole all your shit Mm -hmm. uh while everyone was in gym class we would like just steal money for the day go to the cafeteria get some food and then leave 
And that was that was my school day. Like yeah, you end. went to was, school. Right, yeah. yeah, I I checked in, um, yeah. you know, and, and then it was just like off to the races. So, you know, I dropped out because I wasn't going to graduate on time. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to stay here longer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, it was just the only thing that made sense at that point. Um, and then things escalated from there because then I was on my own all the time and a teenager and already mm -hmm. like on this rocky path. So like drugs got in the mix, like pretty fast. I started getting arrested all the time and just like kind of just running wild. Uh, yeah. So I went to treatment also when I was 17, turned 18 in rehab. Uh, all my friends graduated while I was in rehab. All my friends went to prom while I was in rehab. It was like May of 2013. Like that was like, the, yeah. um, yeah. And so, I don't want to like stray too far into other questions that you're probably going to ask, but there was a rapid progression. Right. I, I did AA on and off for seven years uh, and like things got really good sometimes and then got worse. And it's just been a forever, you know, decade long, like roller coaster ride really. Sure. And did you, uh, did you go any more treatments? Was that the only treatment you went? No. So I went, I went to Rosecrans. Shout out Rosecrans. Every Oak Park kid went to Rosecrans. Yep. Um, but so yeah, I went to Rosecrans for like a month. I got out. I went back two and a half weeks later. Nice. <laughs> I just like quick got return. out, went on a bench. They were like, this is the fastest turnaround we've yeah. ever seen. Like they they're, were they're like never surprised to see someone come back, but two and a half weeks, that's pretty quick. Two and a half weeks, man. You're like I still warm. I went on a bender and my parents were like, get the fuck out of here. And so yeah. I went back uh, and then, you know, they were like, we're not, we're not doing this again. You can like stay in treatment or like you're on your own. Um, so I ended up going to a halfway house. And so like in total, I did like a year of treatment um, with those little two weeks in right. between. <laughs> little, uh, spring break. Yeah, uh, straight up. I mean, people were still there from when I was there. Like oh, it yeah. was a new rotation of people. Everyone was just like, dude, get out of here. Like, what are you doing? But you know, but then I did go again in like 2017, I think. Um, I wasn't even using like heroin at the time. Just my drinking was alone was, was enough where I was just like, I need to go. Um, so yeah, three, three inpatient stays total. Right. And, uh, and you said you go, you did AA and NA or whatever on and off, um, mm -hmm. you know, over the years, did you ever work steps with a sponsor, that kind of stuff or oh, yeah. You, yeah. I was as deep in AA as you could possibly get. Yes. And, and um, how, do you, how do you, like, what's your feeling about it now with a little distance um, from those years anyway? How do you feel about, about, about the program and the steps and all that kind of stuff? Because not, um, everybody, it's, 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 not everybody <laughs> feels the same way, even <laughs> those of us who spend a lot of time there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, my My disclaimer is, if if something works for you do it and i respect anything that works for anyone if it's religion and like that that's your jam fine as long as you're a decent person i'm cool you know so like right. if it works for you and and it did for me for a long time then like power to you um and i don't want to like sway anyone from from accessing like a, a really good resource and like a right. beneficial thing do i like AA now not at all uh i actually like pretty deeply resent it i think uh for like a few reasons um but uh i think building community learning how to look at myself yeah. uh 
helping other people and just sort of focusing on like, I'm just going to try to be the best person I can. All of those things are of great value. And I've learned a lot of those things in AA. I grew up in AA, you know, it's like yeah. 17, 18 years old. It's the most like pivotal, like developmental raw, like age to, to be submerged in that. And so I got kind of dunked into it because yes. I was a rehab kid and now, you know, things are a lot different now, but um, find the program itself frustrating I think I worked the steps and like was super down for a long time but I feel that uh I think there's a lot of contradictions in there that I don't like um and I think that it perpetuates a lot of shame and I think it is disempowering um to to say you're powerless you know what I mean like yeah right I think it kind of, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Like, I think that there were times where, you know, I was told like jails, institutions and death. And like, if you pick up, like you're going to die. And so then I would like relapse. And then I would be like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get here because it's inevitable. Cause that's what they told me. So I'm just going to pick it up right now and like, get it. I'm just going to go hard. Yeah. You know? Once you slip, then you might as well go, you go all in because you're, exactly. you're done, you're so, done with. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't think it needs to be that way. Um, yeah. And I also just kind of feel like there's a lot of sort of like human condition that is described as alcoholic tendencies. Like mm-hmm. you're selfish and you're self-centered because you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, people suck. You know what yeah. I mean? That's just like a people thing. That's <laughs> not an alcoholic thing. Yeah. And I don't want like all of my personhood to somehow be tied to the fact that I'm an addict. Like, right. I don't like that. I'm a whole person. You know what I mean? And, right. And it means, um, and, it, and it sort of, uh, as you're saying it, I'm thinking that it makes it seem like uh, that, that we're the only ones that are like that. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, like, so, I mean, I was, I try to flip it in my mind or spin it a little bit to be like, you know, when you're in, in an active addiction, you're more selfish uh, and, you know, you're, you're less honest, but you're not a selfish, uh, dishonest person because you're an alcoholic. That, that stuff is, is part of me too. And there's plenty of people who never had a sip of beer uh, who are slimy, yeah. dishonest, selfish, narcissistic people yeah. uh, as well. Yeah. I think I have some of those same issues with it. Uh, I think you and I both, it sounds like are saying like, you know, boy, it's, it saved us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but now and I, I find great value in the steps. And so I like internalize the steps and I go to a meeting once in a while because they make me feel good. I like being in a meeting. Yeah. But uh, I think it's because I'm not new. I'm not new anymore. And I'm not just taking it for what it, I know when they say, uh, you know, like it's jails, institutions or death. What they really mean is uh, if you're using, uh, you're more likely to go to those three places. Right. Uh, I, I know that now, but I internalized it the wrong way like you did uh, on, on more than one occasion. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I wanted you to come on too, is because, you know, as we talked, you know, it's clear that, you know, you, you're, you're one of many people uh, who is a, has a different path to recovery. And one of those things that AA and NA and every treatment program will tell you is it's, uh, you know, abstinence or nothing, right? It's all or nothing. Um, and I get why they say it. And for most people, and maybe not most, but for plenty of people, addicts and alcoholics, that has to be that way. And if you have one drink, then you, then uh, you're going to go down a, a dark place before you get help again. Um, yeah. Or if you, if you, if you, uh, so we're going to get to what we talked about before. Like, so you, you smoke weed still. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's not heroin. It's not 
alcohol. Uh, and obviously, you know, but you managed to do that and you're not doing anything else, right? You're not, you're, you're, you're not, you're not doing heroin. You're off, you're, you're staying off of your, in some ways, um, this part of your recovery, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think it yeah, helped no, you? Yeah. 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 So I think like for me in full disclosure, like I still drink alcohol too. Like I don't, I, it is not in the same way that it ever was. Right. Um, I, I don't drink every day. I can have one and then not another. I can have right. half and not finish it. Or like sometimes I, I don't know how I've reached this point, but like, yeah. I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe it won't be that way forever, but I'm in a place right now where for the last like two years or so, like I, I'm drinking like the normies. I don't know what right. happened. Like, yeah. I think like a, a big part of it was I changed, you know, yeah. like I, I changed with, 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 my drug use, I came out a different person and, and dealt with a lot of trauma. Um, 2020 took me the fuck down, um, mm. like bad. And I got like worse than I've ever been in my entire life. And I came out a different person and this person smokes weed. I don't know. Like this, <laughs> like can't, I can't, I just can't, I can't like raw right. dog world anymore. Like I just, I've reached a point where that's just not it, it wasn't ever really working. I mean, like I never, the longest I had was just shy of two years off everything. Yeah, everything. Right. I did AA for seven. So it's like, yeah. there was never, like they say, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Eventually yeah. I was like, I need to apply this to AA also, because like, this isn't working. I always relapse. Yeah. And it's always this like horribly traumatic, shameful thing. I get all my time taken away. Everyone looks at you different. You have yeah. to like be a newcomer again. And I'm like, I've been here for eight years. I'm not new. Like, yes. what are you so, you know, um, yeah, I truly, I'm a, big fan of harm reduction and i don't think i would be alive necessarily if i didn't smoke weed like yeah i feel i use it medicinally i like smoke every day yeah. uh i've gone through periods where i've smoked a lot and yeah. now i don't you know like i smoke when i get home from my very stressful job and i go to sleep yeah. and i'm like yeah. that's fine like yeah. that's you right. know so, i mean that I, i'm i'm all on board and this is you know this is a conversation that's going to make some people pissed off probably you know yeah sorry and I, and I, I, no no i I think it's great but it needs to happen because you're not the only person we're not the only people who 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 think that that's okay because like you said hey what if it's working for you then it's good like if you're right. if you're happy and healthy and making and, and living a good life mm -hmm. uh and not hurting other people then mm -hmm. then then i'm all for it um and and the, I like what you said, like you were, you know, you came out a different person. So in some ways you, people would talk about in recovery, they say like, what were you using about, what were you drinking about or drinking over or using over? And if you heal the trauma or process the trauma and heal and, and take care of the resentments and do all that work for years, like you did, you were working steps for seven years, mm -hmm. you, you healed all, a lot of the stuff that you were using or drinking over, it sounds like. And so then when you get out, you don't have that. I got to escape from all this stuff when the stuff right. is, 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 has been, you know, healed or whatever the process that we're, we're doing to use. Yeah. Um, and I think for some people that that works and, and um, you know, I know it's tricky and I know that for some people that is not going to work. Right? No, uh, no. And I don't, I don't like, I'm not trying to endorse, you right. know, like don't do it if it's not going to work for you. And, and there was times where it didn't work for me. There was right. times where I tried, to drink normal sure. and I couldn't and there was times where I smoked weed and it did lead to me 
wanting to do drugs and then i did right. drugs and so like i've done every single kind of fuck up and right. recovery that exists i feel right. like and this is just where i'm at now and so for two um, years you're, you're living a productive good happy life with this system and yeah. and you lived a bunch of years that, that that were not this happy and productive and healthy so yeah. good for you that's what i mean i i think it's it's great and, and it's yeah. clear that you're I mean, it's never clear, you know, we could fool each other, but you seem healthy and uh, like, you know, every, your life seems like to me, based on what you've been saying, this is like the best time. This of your best life. Of, yeah. yeah, it's the best I've ever done. I think. Yeah. Um, and and most of that was like I addressed some big trauma and I got on medication because yeah. that's what I needed and not everybody does. But I think that uh, totally sober, active in AA me unmedicated mm -hmm. versus like stoner me medicated is like I was not a great person even when I was in AA I was like super toxic I like yeah. totally fed off of like other I don't know whether it was drama or like what sex relationships stirring the pot and attention yeah. like you know there was all those sort of like addict behaviors um were like alive and well but I was like well I go to like seven meetings a week and yeah. I like you know pray. Um, still a yeah. Dick. Uh, yeah exactly so, <laughs> you know like but because i i wasn't really like i didn't I, yeah there's things that needed to happen that aa wasn't going to address yeah you know? and i think you're an exception too in that uh in, in, in your your journey through it is 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 different and you did try all those different things you have been I all those different, all. right um so anyway, I think that is uh, unique and interesting and worth thinking about for people. Um, yeah. and, and, and I know there's other people uh, spending years in AA and NA uh, with that same experience. And, you know, in some ways, mine was mine was similar. And, uh, and so, so what about today? What, what do you do for your recovery today, I guess? So what do you besides the medication and, okay. you know, smuggle the weed when you get home and, and going to sleep? Uh, what are you doing to stay clean? What, what, what kind of things, you know, keep, are keeping you on this path? Yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of it is my job. Uh, I work in social work and mental health. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to like pull from AA principles, like at the end, you're supposed to like go help other people in order to yeah. like stay straight. And like, I suppose that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, I like respond to to crisis calls on the street and work almost exclusively with people who are houseless. Um, so I'm just like in the thick of all the shit every single day uh, and like am navigating like terrible healthcare systems for people who don't have a voice. And like, you know, so that drives me a lot. Um, I think I used forever because this world is super fucked up and I find that quite overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like, I've somehow made it to the other side. So I don't know what else I would do other than like address these things that have haunted me forever. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, it's like a gift and a curse to be like good at it. Cause it's like, it is truly the only thing that I've ever been down to like flex on. Like, I'm not yeah. like one to be like, I'm really good at this. I'm like, <laughs> all right at some things, but this I'm like, no, nah, I'm really fucking good at this. Yeah. Like, I, so that I, that's like, it takes up my whole world. Um, so which AA takes up a big, so there's some parallels there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is a thing that I do all the time. And like, um, yeah, I love my people out here. Like it's, 
the the world of of the streets out here is wild uh and they're just like the most beautiful people scattered all over it and and you're doing something to to you know make a a small dent in it anyway you know in helping so i certainly understand that like that was a big part of something you know that that always made me feel good about being a teacher you know like hey i'm doing something and i'm doing something and on the worst days i knew that it, uh, at least one part of me is doing something good for for somebody else for other people mm-hmm. and uh, and that feels good and i i thought you know i always you know that's why i became a teacher i thought that that's where you got to go you're not going to go change a bunch of old people's mind you got to you know start you know with with young people and 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 i always felt good about that and 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 now so like trying to do, doing the book and trying to and doing this with the podcast is the same thing it's like it's a 12 step thing right and 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 that does keep it, it it provides fuel i think for recovery and i'm sure you're very good at it and uh and i think it, in large part you're probably very good at it because of your experience right 100%. imagine be, yes. doing that job that you're doing now uh, responding to those people in in crisis if you didn't have experience with some of those same <laughs> crises yeah. and exactly and, yeah and, and, and compassion like whole- it's easy to have compassion for people if you've been there yeah yeah and i think like the the best part of it is is that i'm not going to tell someone that they have to do it one way and i get to like mm-hmm. receive you know like a person wherever they're at and like they can be like shooting up right in front of me and i'm just like yo what's up like how you doing you know what i mean like and i'm going to treat you like a person and that will get them a lot farther than being told they have to do this and that and that it's supposed to look a certain way and like be a certain way like yeah, that's, I mean, it's a, uh, and obviously I think that uh, there should be more programs like that all over the country, um, instead of having some some cops and EMTs showing up to to do that and, and handle it one way or not handle it right. at all, to have a compassionate right. uh, person, a trained compassionate person to, to, yeah. to do that, uh, who, who isn't focused on some other kind of job, trained to do something totally different. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's a, a a perfect. Sounds like the perfect job for you, and uh, and and I know I can imagine that it is overwhelming and all consuming at times too. And you probably take take some of that home with you. I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, well, that was one of my questions to talk about that, but I'm glad we got a chance to do that. Um, so before we get to our last couple steps there, do you have like, if you had to give like a message of some kind of encouraging words for, for people out there, who, like who right now, if there's someone listening who's currently battling their addiction and not doing well and starting to feel hopeless, mm-hmm. um, what, what, what message, you know, through your experience, what, what message would you, would you give to them? All improvements matter, you know, like it's, it's, it doesn't have to be like, if you like are shooting up one day and you're just smoking the next because that's a little bit safer for you that's good you know what i mean like that's something and like there's not one way to do it and it is possible i think i just needed to grow up honestly you know i came in doing this shit at 17 years old i'm 27 now your brain is not even fully developed till you're 25 so if you're young give yourself a second for real because like so much of that is just growing up and like learning how to look at your shit just know that it's possible yeah you know? I, that's it that's it yeah. it's possible like i don't this is what i heard progress not perfection right so yeah, hey yeah. any little baby steps i think that's a huge i think that's a great lesson right that's yeah. a great message one that i tell myself all the time like when i'm doing shitty for whatever reason like, i'm doing better 
I'm doing better and doing better. You don't have to be either in the gutter or stone cold, sober, nice person all the time. Uh, If you're getting better and moving in the right direction, that's a good thing. Don't kill yourself uh, over it. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up over not being perfect. If you're getting better you come from a really low place, you're getting better and better. That's, that's enough. That's enough. And the looking inward and that it's possible because you and I both know that uh, there's plenty of time where you're in there going, I don't have a chance. I'm doing, yeah. I'm walking, I'm going through the motions, but no way. I'm not, yeah. I, I got yeah. no chance. And that's the worst feeling because it sucks going through the motions and you, you, in your head, you know, it's not going to work. Yep. You're still doing that stupid, horrible, painful mm-hmm. stuff uh, in, in those meetings and, and rehab. And you're going, oh, God, and it's not going to work. I'll do anything if, if, if I know it's going to work, but right, right. without hope, is there's nothing. Okay, yeah, so we're, we're right to, to our last two bits here. So that's, this is your chance to be an influencer uh, with, with people listening, uh, with my audience all around the country and internationally even. Tell, tell us something that you're uh, listening to or reading or watching, something you'd recommend to them. Um, I want to recommend a book called Unbroken Brain by Maya. I'm looking at it. Maya Salovit. Um, but it is a book by someone who is in recovery, um, and is sort of trying to look at it in a different lens, who has done AA, who is still sober, but not in AA. And it just sort of dives into looking at addiction from a different perspective, kind of changed like the way I looked at everything. Um, I don't want to like give too much away on the feel, but, uh, highly recommend just for anyone trying to sort of learn like the, the like brain chemistry behind it super That's good cool. i haven't heard that one i'm gonna check that one out for sure i'm yeah. interested in that kind of stuff i used to eat in in treatment i used to eat up the ones where you when you learn about all the like the the science of it, it was mm-hmm. always oh that's cool i never really thought about that part of it yeah. uh some yeah. of it's kind of scary but some of it's positive yeah. some <laughs> of that stuff can grow back that's good yeah, yeah um all right and then lastly i like to finish with gratitude um mm-hmm. so uh i'd like each of us to talk about something we're grateful for before we sign off here and uh so why don't you start give me something you're grateful for um i'm grateful for my partner um who i live with which is crazy and it's <laughs> we've been together for almost two years now um and when i met them i was still in my addiction um, so they saw my ugly early on before we were in a relationship and they've seen me come out of that, uh, and, and have definitely been like a huge role in, um, in me giving myself the chance, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I certainly did not get sober for them. You know what I mean? Cause it has to be for you, but right. I think having someone love me unconditionally in a time where I was completely isolated from everyone and everything gave me like the willpower to get up, yeah. um, and, you know, so I'm very, very, very grateful to them. They're an amazing person. They work in the same field as I do. So we're like very much aligned with, we met working at a homeless right. shelter. So right. like, uh, very much like, like-minded, um, we're both out here just like trying our best to like make a dent in this monster of a country. Uh, yeah. and you know, so very grateful to them for sure. That's great. That's great. And it, it's true. Yeah. You do it. You do have to do it for yourself. Right. But I, I'm with you 100% that it sure helps having love around you. Absolutely. You know, and having that support when you got nothing, it makes it even harder to do it yourself with, with yeah. nothing, you know? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. That's great. It kind of gave me goosebumps. So that, that, I hope <laughs> your partner listens to this. Um, well, I'm very grateful. Like I mentioned, I saw uh, Jake's um, 
counselor last night, there was an event at Hazelden and it was like a 25th anniversary of the Chicago location. And uh, so I went and really, I went, I really wanted to see her because she was my, my counselor too. And uh, I didn't know if she'd be there or anything. And, uh, and I went, and so it was also my first time back in that building for a while. Uh, and so I had all kinds of emotions coming up yeah. really intense and powerful. Like I was like in the car crying before I walked in there. Aww, and then yeah. I saw her and, uh, and uh, she talked to me about the book. She got right up, big hug, talked about the book. I gave her a book, signed it for her and stuff. And, uh, and just like she it was six years ago that I was there and she's like asking about my kids. She remembered everything, you know, she says countless clients and, and, uh, you know, so for all the, you know, and I, you know, I'd sat and lied right to her face plenty, you know, I had to come back a couple of times. Um, and she, the way that the, the, the care that she showed, like compassion for me then, and with the minute she saw me just made me really grateful for her and for the, for Hazelden in general, like it really yeah. did you know, it saved my life in, in, a, in a tough moment. Uh, so I, I woke up feeling a, a last night and this morning feeling especially grateful for Hazelden and my counselor, who I won't name. She'd kill me. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So um, I just want to say thanks again, Sam. It's, I, I, it's really uh, a big deal to me that you were willing to come on here. And I think this is going to be an episode that people really will learn from and and talk about. And I really appreciate your honesty and, and your willingness to, to talk about those things that, that you know aren't the most popular maybe in the recovery community too. Um, yeah. And for being honest with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. This was great. First of all, thanks again to Sam for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about her experience fighting the good fight against addiction. I know that it's not always easy to do that. If any of you out there learned something or enjoyed what you heard today, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and click the support the podcast link if you're feeling it. Also, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or the book that you would like to share with me, or if you would like to be a future guest on the podcast, perhaps, please feel free to drop me a note at between the lines memoir at gmail.com or just spread the word the old fashioned way. Tell a friend if you have one, or if you don't have any friends, tell your cats. They love podcasts. Most of all, thanks for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble and hope for the best. See ya. Mm -hmm.